Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Tuesday. It's the 17th of July, 2018. I'm coming at you once again from the mobile rolling studio, except today I actually found a parking space, so we won't get much road noise, but we will get some of the AC noise. Even though I found a pretty sweet shady spot, it is still about 103 degrees, so AC is staying on, amigos. Let's go ahead and get our contact info posted, and then we'll jump in with the show. If you'd like to contact me, I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would prefer to send in an email or record your own audio and have me play that out for the show, the place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll find buttons for YouTube and Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you like the show and you would like to support it financially, there is a PayPal donation button there as well. Let's talk about the trolling, the duping, the epic depancing of Philip Von Cleve and Larry Pratt. You may say, hey, who are those guys? They sound familiar. So if you don't know, Larry Pratt is in the leadership role of Gun Owners of America, and Philip Von Cleve is in the leadership role of Virginia Citizens Defense League. Now, I've spoke many times about that I'm out here in Arizona, and one of the organizations that I think locally that does a lot of good, I don't agree with every single thing that they do, but I think the majority of the stuff that they do and how they go about it is a really good way to do it and a, and a really good way to uh, organize yourself. And that is Arizona Citizens Defense League. Years ago, they modeled themselves and basically set themselves up the way that Virginia Citizens Defense League. So I'm not knocking that particular organization. And that's and I don't want you guys to, to think that. Also, I'm sure there's some good people in Gun Owners of America, and I'm sure that they've done some good things. I don't know a whole lot about them or how their infrastructure works uh, or a lot of the stuff that they've done. But again, as an organization, maybe they're pretty good. But what we're going to be focusing on and talking about today, or at least for this segment, is those two gentlemen and those two gentlemen as individuals. So many of you guys may be familiar with Sasha Baron Cohen. And uh, we're just going to kind of jump in and and, uh, not bury the lead. Years ago, he got his start. He's a British comedian. He got his start doing, mm, I guess, kind of, they used to call it ambush journalism when they would talk about 60 Minutes, how they'd come in and they'd say one thing and then they'd get you under there and then they'd try and make you sweat and get you to admit what you're doing. So this is kind of what he was doing, only it was more on an epic troll level in that he would invent some characters. He had a guy named Ali G, and then he had another guy named Borat. Now, many of you guys are going to be familiar probably with Borat. He's in a lot of the memes. He's the very nice guy. Uh, And sometimes you'll hear him like, that's nice or very nice. So that's who Sasha, that's one of the characters that Sasha Baron Cohen uh, invented and you know he would go around and kind of do that mockumentary type thing and then with the Ali G character it was much more of he was sort of this kind of hip-hop guy and he had a show where he would go around and he would try and interview people and then he would try and make them look foolish or get them to do things that they maybe normally wouldn't do occasionally it was to set up to sort of show maybe the the hypocrisy of, of certain things, but generally it was just kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing and, and say, like, let's, let's see if we can embarrass these fools or get them to do something that's kind of beyond the pale. So his latest thing is a show called Who is America? And he plays an Israeli Defense Force colonel, and I don't know if he's supposed to be retired or not, but the whole premise of the thing is that a way to ensure that 
the school children would be safe in Israel, and supposedly this was a, a program that they were doing. This is what he's saying. This is what we've enacted in Israel. So we have a thing called kindergartens. And what we're doing is we're training the school kids who are uh, 17 down to 4 years old. And the thing that he was saying that they're really focusing on is the toddlers. Now, he doesn't mean, oh, we're trying to just do a safety program to where if they came across a gun, they would at least know what to do. They would maybe know how to get help, or if they were a little bit older, if they're in the older teenage years, they would know maybe even how to secure it, how, you know, that type of stuff. That's not what he's talking about. What he's actually talking about is he was saying, we're going to, and we are, we have been training these kids in Israel, as young as four, to be able to fight terrorism if terrorism came to a school. So as a normal, as a normal person, if somebody stuck a camera in your face and put a microphone up by you, and you're talking to this guy, and he was laying this stuff out that we're going to have four-year-olds actually trained to use weapons independent of any parental supervision, he'd say, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You can't do that. That's, that's nonsense. That violates like every safety rule and common sense measure you would ever think of. So I, and, and I, I say all this because what happened is they contacted both Pratt and Cleve and said, hey, we want you to come on this show. We're going to do this interview with you. And then, you know, of course, he makes them look stupid. He does. He gets them to basically uh, say, and there's a, there's a video on YouTube, and I'll, I'll try and link to that in the show notes, where if you can, actually, if you just type in Sasha Baron Cohen and Larry Pratt or something like that, I'm sure it'll pop up. The video has, has, has been making its rounds. So anyway, he dupes these guys He's got them on camera doing stuff where they have a stuffed animal that has a gun in the head and there's like a little pull string. You know how back in the day you used to have those little stuffed animals and you could pull the string and it would make them talk? Well, it's basically the same thing except they have a gun in there and then the, and the idea is, well, the toddler would be able to point the bear at the bad guy and pull the string and fire the gun. And then with, I believe it was with Van Cleve, they had him do this fake... Um, instructional video where they're singing songs and they're doing all this stuff and it's all total ridiculous stuff well of course this stuff comes out and it's you don't even really have to edit it in a way to make these guys look foolish and and Pratt was doing stuff as well and at the end there was a thing where he was saying something like you know, toddlers aren't afraid of guns. They haven't been affected by something and homosexuality and, and just like weird, bizarre stuff. And uh, th this was sort of first brought to my attention. I was like cruising around on Facebook and I saw a post from Pincus, from Rob Pincus, who many of you guys know. And he was saying, hey, these guys, you know, are saying, oh, we got duped. But, you know, the reality of it is, is they never should have done it in the first place. And he went on to say... And I'm going to paraphrase here, so don't take this as exact quotes from him. But he went on to say, hey, I was flown out there or I was, I can't remember if he said he was flown out there or he was doing pre-interview stuff with some of the crew. And when they weren't getting the type of answers or when he wasn't agreeing to certain things that they were saying, then they're like, ah, you know what, we, we probably won't be able to use you, but, you know, thanks for giving us your time, that type of deal. And when you watch, when you if you'll go on YouTube and you'll watch this thing, it's it's just crazy. And I tell you what, I, I don't know if Pratt put out a statement, but Van Cleve did, and maybe I'll read it uh, once once I'm back in the home studio, and I'll maybe I'll, I'll it'll be the end of the show type thing. But let me tell you, if backpedaling was an Olympic sport, this this guy would win a gold medal and he'd set world records doing it you know he makes every excuse in the book he does the classics thing where when you're telling your side of the story it's it's always this you know how your intent was great and you were going to go in there and be this super secret squirrel and you were going to 
blow the whistle on these guys and this, that, and the other thing, and you knew what something was going wrong, but you, you know, you were, you kept going with it just to make sure you got all the goods and all this kind of nonsense. So, anyway, the whole thing, I, I don't know how much necessarily, necessarily how much harm it will do to sort of us in the gun culture and the gun world. You know, you can say, eh, I think it'd be relatively easy to distance ourselves from them and just say, look, these are two individuals there and yeah, they were, they're in leadership positions in these two organizations, but this isn't really how most gun owners feel or would think, but it's an interesting thing. I guess, you know, in the, in the, the long run and when, when I, the more and more I think about this stuff, it does show how that both these guys are out of touch. And again, I don't know with Pratt. I know he goes on and does a lot of interviews and stuff. You think he would be a little bit more media savvy. I don't, I haven't really heard much about Philip Van Cleve. In fact, when this stuff first broke, I was like, well, who, who's Philip Van Cleve? And maybe shame on me for not knowing, you know, some of the stuff that he did in the past. I don't know, but he's, I mean, I'm pretty deep into stuff. And if you're listening to this show, you're pretty deep into gun world and gun culture as well. And if I don't, if, if his name didn't immediately pop into my head of who he is and what his accomplishments were, and I'm not saying, I was going to say, you know, how relevant is he? But And I, I don't want to kind of come off as a douchebag uh, or, or really trying to, to belittle these guys. So that what I'm trying to do is make a point in that maybe it's time for these guys to step down. And one of the things that I uh, wrote on one of Pincus's posts in a reply to him was that I said, well, you know, well, why didn't these guys have media training? And the reason is because they're kind of arrogant. They think they've been, they think they've been around. Uh, the block a few times they're like this isn't my first rodeo i know what i'm doing i don't need uh you know kind of a handler or something like that but these guys uh, especially with you know with pratt he's i've seen him on several interviews and it seems like he's kind of easy to to manipulate especially if he's not in a friendly camp if he's in a, a thing where he's kind of hostile it seems that he's pretty easy to lead around and and get to Maybe give them the soundbite that they want. So anyway, uh, again, I think that these guys are, well, let me, let me rephrase that. I think these guys were used to being in the limelight and they're not so much in there anymore. And when somebody comes around and offers to put them back up in the spotlight, it's very tempting to, uh, to, to respond to that and to say, well, sure, I'll do that. And it's very tempting to say well I'm super savvy and they're not going to get anything over on me and the the way to that they had set this stuff up and maybe this will be if any you know if, if I give these guys any kind of defense it'll maybe be this but it would only be for a modicum a modicum of it in that maybe this would have got them in the door but the second they started saying a lot of this kind of wacky stuff, both those dudes should have said, ah, I'm taking a powder, man. So anyway, like I said, Sasha Baron Cohen and his crew have been doing this stuff for years and years. He is a guy who, look, like him, hate him. I think he's probably anti-gun. And I know a lot of people are going to be saying, now, well, I never thought he was funny when in the past you did. Look, if, if you thought he was funny in the past, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like a weak bitch and say, well, I never thought he was funny. You know, stick to your guns. Have some conviction about stuff and say, yeah, you know, I liked him. I thought he was funny. I don't like his views on guns, but some of the other stuff he does is, you know, is hilarious. Uh, so anyway, all that. And, you know, I, I get into that because I see it all the time. I see it all the time that if somebody comes out and they're anti-gun, you know, an actor... And then they're, everybody is like, oh, you know, screw that guy. He sucks or she sucks. And they're a horrible actor. I never liked their, their movies anyway. When in the past they did, they thought they were fine. 
Uh, and it's the same, too, when you have a guy who maybe comes out. So somebody like Bruce Willis. Well, maybe in the past, you know, you thought, eh, yeah, he's kind of lame. I don't really care for his movies. But the second he says he's pro-gun or something like that, then everybody's all jumping up and down. And, and uh, oh, I always loved him. He's a super great actor. We need more guys like him. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't support people that are pro-Second Amendment. Or if, Look, if you don't want to support an actor once he comes out and says, hey, I'm going to be political, and if his political views don't line up with him, and you're saying, well, I'm not going to go see that person's movies anymore, you know, I mean, that's fine. Um, but what happens if a bunch of the crew guys are Second Amendment, pro-Second Amendment, or, you know, well, you know, this is probably a discussion for another day. So anyway, let's circle back around. Let's get back around to what my original point was going to be. So how did these guys get drawn into the, into the studio in the first place? So like I said, Cohen has been doing uh, this stuff for years and years. He's got it perfection. He's got it uh, perfected. Yeah, that's a better way to say it. In that they know how to sort of set up and we'll use this in a, in a very loosely kind of like a dummy or a shell corporation to where if let's say an assistant from gun owners of America from Platts camp you know calls around or tries to do a little bit of a thing and they can say oh okay well yeah this is a small company it's new but you know they've they've got a few things out there and it's you know it's mostly been over in Israel and this that and the other thing so if you kind of scratch the surface, it looks legit. And that's what, again, that's what most people are going to do, especially in this soundbite world. Nobody is willing to go down to the rabbit hole and really look around and make sure stuff is legit. So anyway, he's got probably a couple of layers of BS that if somebody starts to look into it, it's going to seem legit. So that's, again, how those guys got in the door. And like I said, he's been doing this for years. He is a professional at it. Uh, he does not break character, and he's had years of practice of, of not breaking character, of saying ridiculous, crazy stuff, and not, not, uh, not cracking a smile, not doing any of that kind of stuff. And the same with his crew. I'm sure his crew are just as professional as him. Uh, and, and they, you know, they all know the game. They all know what's going on. And again, I don't know. It may be that there's only Sasha Baron Cohen and two other people. Maybe there's just a couple other camera guys there or something and a sound guy. You know, so I don't, again, I don't know how big the, the productions are or anything like that. But anyway, all that's to say is I can see how somebody could get drawn in or could sort of, you know, they're going to get their foot in the door. But again, it's like once they start saying stuff like we need to arm toddlers, this is what we're doing over in Israel. Now that, of course, is all BS. But even if, let's say in some weird fantasy world that that's the case, that they actually are doing stuff like that, where is your common sense? Where are your, where are your principles? Where are your convictions to say, well, look, man, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you're you're asking for trouble. I think long term, this is not going to work out well for you. So anyway, I think what we'll do now is maybe take a little break from this, and I will try and pick up on this maybe tomorrow or the next day. I found out some good news I guess if we're going to call this stuff maybe bad news or maybe not even bad news but maybe a little bit of embarrassing stuff and I guess before we sign off maybe one of the questions that we need to ask is does this stuff being out there and being released does it affect us as a whole like I was saying earlier it's relatively easy to distance yourself from them but does it give us kind of a black eye or is it just one of these things where it says like, look, these guys say, you know, crazy stuff and it's, you know, it doesn't really uh, apply to us or are we all kind of tarnished a little bit with that brush? Um, you know, I, I don't know, uh, especially since these guys are kind of older guys and it may sound kind of weird to say it that way, but it's a deal where if maybe they were younger in their 30s or 40s and people would expect them maybe to be a little bit more in touch but 
with both of these guys, you know, that are older gentlemen and maybe they were sort of not expected to be as media savvy. Again, if that's what we're saying is, hey, these guys aren't sharp, they don't really know what's going on, then yeah, it's probably time for new leadership. It's probably time for some new blood and somebody who's a little bit more media savvy, somebody who's willing to take this stuff a little bit more uh, seriously, somebody who's also willing, well, I shouldn't say willing, but somebody who can sort of steel themselves against the draw of of, uh, fame, for lack of a better term, if you know what I mean. Like, it's awful hard once people start treating you a little bit differently, and especially if if you're, quote-unquote, a little famous, uh, and you're seen as maybe an expert, or you're seen as somebody who's a little bit different than the rest, or above, you know, so to speak. It's awful hard to sort of give that drug up. So, anyway... All right, let's uh, wrap this segment up for today. Uh, Tomorrow or maybe Wednesday, I'll get back with you guys and we'll talk about uh, a couple other things that I think is good news. Talk to you in a second. I am parked in the shade again in the car. I'm closer to the road than I'd actually like to be, so you may hear some some traffic noise going by. You're definitely going to hear the AC, but holy crap, it's 106 today. Man, it's hot. So it is what it is. A few seconds ago to you, but yesterday to me, I talked about that we had maybe a little bit of embarrassing news with the whole kindergarten, or not kinder, kindergarten, there we go, kindergarten gate type thing and fiasco, but that we also had some good news. So not too long ago, I heard that Cody Wilson had gotten a victory in a lawsuit that he had against, I believe it's the Justice Department. So I'll give you a little bit of background on that stuff first. Cody Wilson was a guy who designed a bunch of the 3D files, the CAD files, when 3D printers were coming out. And he was basically saying, this makes gun control irrelevant. And it makes what government wants to do in controlling what weapons you can have ultimately it's going to make them irrelevant and what he was what he was looking at then uh, which is probably i don't know five six years ago when 3d printing and all this stuff was in its infancy he was looking more into the future and says and saying look this technology it is going to improve it's going to be a consumer-based thing and when these improvements come there is no reason why you can't print more and more complex stuff and more and, and more and more durable stuff so that it will actually be long-lasting and reliable. He was also the guy that I think he put the plans out for the Liberator and printed and printed that out to where it could shoot either it was a 22 or a 380, I can't remember which, but he had done that and basically was saying, look, if you had no gun you could print something up and it would be in the concept, and I'm sure that's why they named it, of the, the guns that they dropped uh, to the Allied people uh, during World War II, where the concept was you've got a maybe like a single shot thing, or this thing is good for two or three shots before it's going to be total crap. And what you would do is you would kill an enemy soldier, and then take the the weapons and ammunition that they have, and then you've got a quality you know firearm or something that's much higher in quality, I should say, from the enemy sh- soldier. And it would you know it, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on that type of stuff but anyway that was sort of the concept of that this stuff will make gun control irrelevant so i like i said i think that uh the justice department came after him and said hey you got to take these these files down uh under itar Uh, you're violating stuff and if you don't we're going to fine you a lot of money we're going to tie you up in in court for just a little bit and then we're going to throw you in prison. So he took the stuff down, took the files down. However, I think, again, the guy is savvy enough to know that once something's out on the Internet, boy, it's hard to pull it back. And those files had been downloaded hundreds of thousands, probably millions of times. So I don't know how you would ever be able to collect all those files. And realistically... Just because he took his files down, 
look, people are smart enough. They can engineer and design their own files and put them out there. I mean, it's, you know, so anyway, in, in the information age, it's hard to control information. And I think that's what was really scaring the government. So the good news is, is that not too long ago, or maybe um, we got the sort of the results of the lawsuit, and that is that he won. He actually kind of fought the law, and, and instead of the law winning, he won. And I guess they're saying now that that those files don't go against the ITAR regulations and all that kind of stuff, which is good. Now, also, he was the one, him and his uh, company, I, I, uh, made a what they called the ghost gunner. And the whole design of, or the whole purpose of that thing was it was a little milling machine. And it cost, and I think I may have mentioned this, you know, many shows ago but what it would do is it would allow you to get an 80 percent lower and then you could get this thing rigged up in the jig and it would finish it for you you just press a button it would it would mill stuff out you'd reconfigure it again press another button and it did all the stuff for you and of course the the um the left kind of had a little bit of an aneurysm about that but that stuff's out there and his idea kind of that as I saw an interview with him and I, I can't remember we'll just say that it costs like two thousand it was fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars for that thing and his idea was well look here's what you do is you buy it and then you print out your you uh, mill out your guns and then you can sell it to somebody else and then they can use it to theirs and then so it doesn't it would kind of go around and maybe you would sell it for, you bought it for 1500 or you and a friend bought it for 1500. I can't remember exactly how it works, but anyway, he had a, he had kind of a plan for how you could have that or, and kind of mitigate some of the cost of that stuff. So anyway, I thought all that was good news and it got me to thinking, well, what as, as in technology and as these things, as these printers and everything, as they continue to improve, and as the materials that you can use to print with, uh, they've already printed up metal parts and stuff. But anyway, as this gets better and better, you would just be able to print up pretty much what almost whatever you would want as far as, you know, maybe frames and things like that. And they would be 100% reliable. Maybe that is 5 or 10 or 15 years down the road, but that day is coming. And I, I wonder what that's going to mean for the firearms industry. Will it mean anything? Will they do stuff where they sell you their um, their CAD files for maybe $100? Let's say if it's a, a thing where you can print out a magazine and they sell you this CAD file for 100 bucks, and then you have unlimited use of it. Now, of course, once you, you know, I, I don't know. Once you would have the file, though, it's in digital format, what's to prevent some, you know, you could just, again, you could just print them up to your heart's content. I don't know how they could ever put, like, a limit or anything on that. But anyway, I'm talking about stuff that I don't know anything about, so I'm kind of talking out of my butt here. But I do think that eventually that day will come where if you want, you'll pretty much be able to print maybe other than a barrel I don't know again like I said I don't I don't know the complexities or the limitations of certain things but I would I would surely think you would be able to print up a metal AR lower receiver and an upper receiver pretty much no problem probably be able to print out a trigger a trigger group the only things you wouldn't maybe be able to print would be some of the pins or not the pins excuse me some of the springs uh, but you know springs are springs so Anyway, um, oh, I saw on, is it the Gun Collective that Adam Kraut and the other guy do? I can't remember. His first name is John, I think. I can't remember his last name right now. Uh, but I saw a thing on there where they were talking about that some part of the government, and I, like I said, it kind of, I can't remember who was making the... Uh, the issuance of this, if that makes sense. Anyway, what they were saying was that, you know, the the uh, the anti-gunners in the far left 
are always saying, oh, an AR-15 is a weapon of war and we shouldn't have these and these are military grade and this is exactly what the military has. Well, there was some ruling that came down and like I said, I don't know who did it, but they were saying, no, an AR-15 is not the exact same thing as a, a military weapon. It's not a weapon of war. So, you know, I think, again, that's more good news for us. It's more victory. It's, uh, it, it's another step into... I hate to use the word legitimizing, but to, uh, but to legitimize the AR-15 as just a regular old rifle, uh, it is. It's probably in America is probably one of the most common and the most popular rifle. Uh, even the AK, which was always kind of like the redheaded stepchild, is gaining in popularity. Um, so that is going to become a relatively common common rifle if you look at kind of the two big platforms that most people are shooting it's either an ak or an ar and most people if you've got an ar you at least have some interest if you don't have an ak but i know a lot of people that have both and that have kind of multiple copies of both anyway i thought that was cool that they had made that ruling that said oh these are not weapons of war and this that and the other thing so all right, I'm going to call this segment to a close. I know this one's a little shorter, but again, when I get home tonight or you know tomorrow, who knows, I want to read off um, Van Cleef's statement, and then we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll kind of wrap that stuff up. So anyway, let me know what you guys think. I know I'm probably a little, uh, a little scattered here these last couple of days, and hopefully it's, it's uh, relatively coherent. Uh, but let me know what what do you guys think about the whole um, we'll we'll call it troll journalism or or troll interview of of uh, Pratt and Van Cleve. Do you think those guys are still relevant? Do you think that they still have a role, or do you think it's time for them to step down? Let me know again what you guys think about the Cody Wilson thing. Also. Well, I'm, I don't want to start kind of prattling on. So, uh, but the, but again, w- uh, with the Cody Wilson thing, what do you guys think is going to be the future of 3D printing? What do you guys think? How will that affect the gun industry? Will it? Will it be one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can print your own stuff, but most people are just going to buy one. Um, so similar to how right now you could build your own shotgun if you wanted to, but most people still go out and buy one. All right. Uh, then when next we speak, it'll again be a couple of seconds for you. Uh, but I will read off Mr. Van Cleve's backpedaling statement. <laughs> and, oh, before I, I, uh, I leave you guys with that, that, what also jumped in my head, it wasn't just him and Pratt. There were other people, I think, that got duped but didn't their segments didn't make it on the air. There was also a thing at the end where on the video and, uh, and you should, again, you should go watch it and watch the whole thing. It's kind of hard to get through a little bit because you're just like going, Oh my God. But there's one thing where he goes, they go into a Senator and, or, or one of these Congress guys, I don't know if he was a house member or if he was in the Senate. He was like, so you want me to say that I support arming toddlers without knowing anything about it and he goes most people in in the congress or in the senate aren't going to do that we're not going to get behind something we don't know anything about and then of course it cuts to like two or three others guys of of the senators going you know please get behind and support this kindergarten program it's going to be great and you're just like holy cow man how look i i there are very, very few Congress critters out there that I have any respect for. And the ones that I do are the ones that I feel are savvy and intelligent and, and know the game and know what's going on. Uh, but there is a lot of them out there who, you again, you get that camera in front of them, you stroke that ego a little bit, and they'll say anything you want them to say. All right. Prattle on long enough. Talk to you in a second. Okay, guys. I am back. 
at the same spot where I was the other day, so it's nice and shady. But you may hear some road noise. And holy cow, the heat wave continues. It's 108 today where I'm at. So anyway, I thought I'd be able to get Van Cleve's response at the home studio, but it just isn't going to work out. And if I don't do it now, I don't think I'll be able to. Now, supposedly the article that I found says that this is his response that was posted on the Virginia Citizens Defense League Facebook page, and it was from February 20th. So even though the video was released relatively recently, I don't know exactly when they taped this stuff. So I don't know if it was back in January or, or maybe it was relatively close in February when he recounted the experience. You know, who knows? Some people got a hold of him and said, oh, you better, you know, try and throw some some dirt on the fire. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. It's... I think he's backpedaling. I think he's kind of trying to rewrite history a little bit to make himself come off a little better. But I wanted to read the thing out, let you guys sort of make your own decisions. For me, I think that, you know, he tried to throw dirt on the fire, like I said, but he ended up just pouring gas on it because it, it, I don't think he comes off looking very good. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump in with what his uh, post was. And it's a little bit lengthy, but I did want to read it in its entirety. Urgent. Share this far and wide. Last weekend, while doing what seemed to be a regular interview, I discovered that a movie is being made with the intent to discredit gun rights leaders across the country. No, this is not a joke. It is real and we need to get the word out to other gun rights organizations, gun rights leaders, and prominent firearms trainers across the country, and we need to do this fast, all in all caps. Back in 2014, alleged Hollywood sexual predator Harvey Weinstein said he was going to make a movie, quote, that would make the NRA wish they weren't alive, close quote. And then in parentheses, he has this. All gun organizations are the NRA in his mind. And he was dead serious. Michael Moore has been attempting to discredit gun owners and leaders for years by tricking people and using creative editing techniques to make them look foolish or idiotic. Who's behind this effort isn't clear, but they are, in all caps, EXTREMELY WELL-FUNDED PROFESSIONALS. For example, to reel me in and try and make me feel beholden to them, they laid out the red carpet by providing luxury accommodations, limousine service, and providing a generous monetary allowance to cover meals and other expenses for two days. They use psychological manipulation, as well as lies and tricks to put their victim into comedic situations that subject them to public shame, embarrassment, and ridicule. I believe the intent is to destroy reputations and even lives. I did some detective work in the days immediately following the, quote, interview, close quote, and I managed to find out they had targeted at least one nationally known firearms trainer, and I know there are more. They appear to be setting up near gun shows. I also found out they covered their tracks carefully to avoid revealing their true identity. It started out when Virginia Citizens Defense League received an email last week from a company called, quote, First Freedom Television, close quote, and to do an interview with an, quote, Israeli security expert, close quote, on the, quote, shared security interests of like-minded countries such as the U.S. and Israel, close quote. It went on. Quote, Unlike the misguided position of American liberals who aim to eradicate guns altogether, Israel has proven that universal gun training and widespread gun ownership actually leads to a safer society. Close quote. I do interviews all the time, and this one didn't seem to be all that much out of the ordinary. On Sunday, February 11, 2018, I did the interview in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. About five minutes into the interview, my radar turned on big time when the interviewer was making claims about Israeli schools, training selected children, 
to use firearms from age 17 down to age 4! Exclamation point! As a last-ditch effort in stopping a terrorist attack on a school if the teachers and security staff had been killed. The children would have codes to unlock secured firearms in such a case. When I balked at four-year-olds being able to do that, he showed me an alleged newscast video on his iPad. The text was in Hebrew, but with an English-speaking narration, talking about how a four-year-old boy had indeed stopped a terrorist attack at his school. The newscast said that he killed two terrorists using his dad's gun, which he had brought to school in his backpack to show a friend in violation of school rules. Israeli Premier Netanyahu was touting him as a hero in the video. While I've never been to Israel, I do know they have some serious terrorism concerns, especially at schools and other public gatherings. The way they handle some of their security can be very different from what we have in the U.S., but that news story just didn't look right. And four-year-olds can hold a gun and fire it with supervision, but not take on terrorists, and especially manage to shoot and kill two of them? Because of this and various other odd things I noticed during the interview, I was now convinced that something wasn't right. This wasn't real, and probably some sort of a setup. I could only think of Hollywood's threat. At a minimum, it could be a comedy which would play only in Israel. But it could be a more damaging attempt to make a, quote, mockumentary, close quote, by someone like Michael Moore, or even worse, a Sasha Baron Cohen-esque Borat type of shock comedy meant to be devastatingly embarrassing and humiliating to the victim in the crosshairs. As the 15-minute interview terminated, the interviewer asked me if I, as an English-speaking firearms trainer, would help him make a, quote, gun safety, close quote, training video for children of various ages. This had to be the, quote, kicker, close quote, I thought. For better or worse, I decided that I would play along with the scheme so that I could find out who was behind this and where this was going. I figured if I was right about this being a setup, I could blow the whistle and get a warning out to the gun rights community across the country to protect as many people as possible and maybe derail this attack. If it turned out to be nothing, then, well, no harm, no foul. We recorded for almost three hours using airsoft guns as props. They even had a teleprompter. I was right. It was a setup, and it was much worse than I could have imagined. If you've seen the 70s movie, The Sting, it was much like that. It was a well-orchestrated, well-choreographed, psychological manipulation with a production cast of at least 10 people to slowly lead a person down the primrose path. We went step by step with a ready and seemingly logical answer every time I balked at some crazy part of the training. They seemed to have thought of everything that a person might question. All I can say is that these people were extremely good at deception and manipulation. And no matter how stupid the things the interview and I were doing, we were side by side the whole time. No one else cracked a smile or laughed once. And I was watching. The professional actors were keeping up the appearance that this was a serious project. The end goal was to get the victim to make a, quote, training film, close quote, teaching three- and four-year-olds how to shoot guns hidden in toy animals at, quote, bad, close quote, people. To sing little songs and make gun noises during the training to make it, quote, fun for children, close quote. And even teach little kids how to shoot a rocket-propelled grenade or a squad automatic weapon at an approaching suicide bomber vehicle. It all sounds unbelievable, but everything was elaborately and expensively staged. It all sounds unbelievable, but everything was elaborately and expensively staged, every contingency planned for, with explanations that make unbelievable things seem plausible. 
Fake documents and videos about how Israel handles their security in their schools, for example. The interview moved along at a pace designed not to give the, quote, mark, close quote, time to reflect on where things are going. The craziness factor very gradually got more extreme, like cooking a frog by slowly heating up the water so he doesn't realize what's happening until it's too late. It's a con game, a sting, plain and simple. I don't know if they have other scenarios or they will use other company names to continue concealing their identity, but anyone doing an interview dealing with gun rights where they sense something odd should terminate that interview or, better, bring a recorder and tell the other party you're going to make your own recording of the interview. And if they say no, then walk out. I'm going to make that my own policy going forward to protect against any future fake interviews. By the way, they had me leave my cell phone in an office, quote, because it might interfere with the recording devices, close quote. But I think it was so I couldn't take any photos of them or make any video or audio recordings on that phone. In the end, we played each other, and I confirmed what I feared this was all about. Sadly for me, I'm sure I'm going to be in whatever crazy film finally comes out looking really stupid, and just as sadly, I'll probably be in good company. A few of us will no doubt get hammered, but if we can get the word out immediately, we might be able to save the reputations of many other good people. Finally, looking at the possibilities and what I saw while making the, quote, training film, close quote, I'm betting this is going to end up being a Borat-style film, and it's going to be vicious on the victims. Please share this alert far and wide. Philip Van Cleve, President, Virginia Citizens Defense League. Well, I hope you enjoyed my dramatic reading of his statement. Again, as I read that thing, it is classic kind of backpedaling and the type of thing of I really knew what was going along the whole time. And I think, like I said before, I, I was super secret squirrel and I was playing them and they were playing me. You know, the guy got duped and it would be one thing if he said, hey. I got bamboozled, they, you know, they sprinkled stardust in my eyes and I was just happy to go along with anything and I really messed up and I hope you guys will forgive me. Uh, it, in my opinion, I think probably what happened is he got back, told the guys what was going on, they looked into it maybe a little bit deeper and said, oh boy, you know, you better do some damage control, son. But let me know what you guys think. I mean, am I am I being kind of a overly cynical, judgmental guy here, or am I kind of on the money? In certain situations, I could see how maybe somebody who was brand new might get a little bamboozled, but supposedly for somebody with his amount of experience, he never should have agreed to any of that stuff. Again, I think they, they stroked his, his ego. They were constantly telling him things that he wanted to hear, constantly feeding him dogmatic lines, things like that. So, And I think that's probably what happened to Pratt. I haven't seen anything from Pratt. Now, earlier, and I think I mentioned it, there were also some senators, and uh, right now in the car I don't really have the ability to look those guys up, but there was another guy and I haven't seen his interview or his side of the story about how he got duped, but he was one of these guys who was saying, who was doing kind of like a PSA. So I think I mentioned earlier that they, the film crew and Cohen went to and, and got access to some senators. One guy basically said, well, I'm not going to do that. That's nuts. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I'm not going to do a PSA for you. And he said, I don't think anybody would do that. And then of course it's a super hard cut immediately to three or four other guys, and it's done in the style where they are 
like one, they're all saying sort of the same thing because they're all reading off that same script, but it cuts in between each of them at different aspects. So it all flows. So uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. So, you know, if you had person A, B, and C, and they were reading the Pledge of Allegiance for whatever, A would start off with one part, then B would pick up, then C would pick up, and it would do these cuts, and they would eventually get through the whole thing. So that's what they were doing. And of course, I think a couple of guys maybe didn't even really bother to respond. And one guy came out on, and was on a, a inter, agreed to do an interview or something like that. And, and he was given his side of how he got duped and taken in and all that other kind of stuff. But you guys go ahead and watch that video. Let me know what you think. Uh, and then uh, chime in if you want on what do you think ultimately guys like Pratt and Van Cleef should be doing. Oh, that's another thing. In sort of English slang, a Pratt is somebody who is kind of a know-it-all or um, I'm trying to, uh, kind of a boob, I'm trying not to use super harsh language. Uh, and I think it comes from like when somebody prattles on and they just kind of sort into, you know, somebody who's just like blah, 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 and they're a know-it-all and all this other stuff. So somebody like me. Um, but anyway, they kind of shortened it to a Pratt. And so one of the things that he says that the, the Israeli defense guy says in the voiceover as he's walking up uh, in Washington is like, now that we have a Pratt on board or now that we've heard from a Pratt, we're going to go and talk to the members of Congress. So again, there's a little bit of a uh, a slight there, which I think most British audiences will pick up on, and, and uh, probably even most American audiences will too, for the most part. Some people it might just kind of zip right by because we're not, we don't really use that in our in our slang out here. All right, I think that is gonna call it quits for the show. Again, let me know what you guys think on this stuff. Let me give you the contact info again, real quick, and then we'll sign off. Voicemail is area code 206-745-2731. And remember with that, you're limited to 90 seconds. If you would like to send in an email or record your own audio, I'll get that stuff out for you on the show. Email address is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time.